0: I feel like I could do a pretty good Bob Dylan if I really wanted
1: to. You really could, Tony. I feel like that's. Oh, the <laughs>
0: what the uh, hell would you be if you were disabled? How many lambs must a man drive down before you call him disabled? Is yes, and how many stairs must a man fall down? Before you put him in a home, how do you, oh, we're recording. <laughs> <I forget. laughs>
1: hey. How's it going? Did you get all the Dylan out of your system there, Tony? I listened to a lot of Bob Dylan when I was younger. Oh yeah? What about now? Uh, not really now, no. Just your own impression?
0: I, I do like, I feel like he's one of those guys where his songs are almost better when they're covered by other people
1: yeah that's like he's like a songwriter a
0: lyricist he's a great lyricist and he's like a poet but he sounds like his always struggling to bring a little talking like this
1: all the time you know yeah i think my mom might actually appear on today's episode
0: can we have your mom on the podcast
1: i mean i suppose we could but what what movie would we watch
0: Whatever, some British movie.
1: <laughs> some some British murder mystery?
0: Yeah. Hercule Poirot in Death of the Cripple. <laughs> is there a higher form of disability than being dead? <laughs>
1: I mean, then we could feasibly argue that every true crime uh, story is, is worth covering on the podcast.
0: You know, we might get desperate enough that that's <laughs> what we're doing.
1: <laughs> we we start covering some serial killer called
0: the crippler.
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> if there is a serial killer called the crippler, or honestly, if there is a person out there listening to this, who is thinking about becoming a serial killer and, you know, you're like thinking about doing it, but you're like, I haven't committed to it yet. Cause I don't have a good name. Go with the crippler and just start like chopping people's imagine. Someone's like, someone, I was listening to a podcast, and that's how I got the idea to start becoming a mass murderer.
1: He doesn't even kill people. He just, like, gives them, like, a superficial uh, disability.
0: It'd be funny if it was, like, one that you could take away again. Like, he put he, while you're sleeping, he'll put in, like, a contact lens that you don't need. So you wake up and you think you have bad vision all day. <laughs> Turns out the
1: person himself actually has a disability and he's just trying to like create empathy in a criminal fashion.
0: That's like you when you find out we were going to have to stay at home for COVID. You're like, yes. Oh, maybe you were secretly behind this whole COVID thing.
1: Oh, God. Yeah, I, I don't think I'm clever enough for that.
0: Yeah, that's true, you're not. <laughs> <laughs> How's your week? Anything crazy going on? Not
1: really. I mean, uh my I had a major software launch uh this week, which I suppose Yeah,
0: I mean that's cool for you. Yeah, that's
1: exciting. But apart from that, like apart from personal and professional goals being met, nothing big is going on. No. No.
0: Well, you have to snort back.
1: I do. I was Getting up from bed this morning, as as is common most mornings, and I grabbed the, the grab bar beside my bed, which is the only place in the house. Wait, you have a, Yeah, I was gonna yeah, say. I know it's the only place in my house that has a grab bar because it's quite a cramped transfer space for me between my chair and my bed because my bedrooms are either small. So my dad thought, okay, we'll put a bar in there for Mister Joe, but then. The problem is that first thing in the morning, like you know how you don't have your legs under you on a good good day first thing in the morning?
0: Oh, tell me, do I ever know? Uh, yeah,
1: right, right. Even if you're able-bodied, your legs are sort of rebellious at the start of the day and as are mine. And so I went to get up and I grabbed my grab bar and I, <clears throat> my knees gave, gave out from under me and I sort of fell awkwardly toward the ground very slowly, but not like a satisfying a thunk of a fall but more of an awkward ergonomics for a prolonged period of time kind of fall
0: or you just kind of like slowly give up on your ability to stand yeah you just succumb to
1: gravity but you have enough time to think about it happening yeah. and so that happened and i yanked something in my back in the process and so now every odd breath that i take is followed by like a slight spasm in the lower in in my lower spine
0: Imagine that was the song by the police. Every odd breath that I take, <laughs> I'll be spasming.
1: Um. So yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. That's that's it, really. That's that. I mean, that isn't that what life is after thirty spasms
0: after your legs don't work when you try to stand in the morning. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. I think that is how you know you're old. I thought about this this morning actually because I hate mornings. Like, I'm not a morning person at all. But when I do get, like, when someone comes in in the morning, that's essentially my alarm clock. And this morning, I was like, I should probably get some other thing to be my alarm clock because they come in and I'm just like dead to the world. And I have to basically force myself to wake up. And I'm waking up when they turn the light on and it's just the worst thing for me is what like someone comes in and just flips on the light. And that's how I have to start my day.
1: You tell me this, or you relate (laughs) stories like this to me often. And I don't really understand, like can you not specify in your terms of care that in the morning you prefer to be woken up by being lightly tapped on the shoulder, like a human being rather than having all your lights in your bedroom turned on and like some sort of like a sporting event, Air horn blasted in your face.
0: <laughs> no, I honestly think that, like, well, I know people who have tried to keep their lights dim in the morning, and I've tried it too, uh, where I'll just have the because my lights can be like 50% or whatever. And so I'll set it to automatically turn to 50% right before they come in, but then they just turn it into 100%.
1: They just don't give a fuck, they just flick the switch all the way, no,
0: yeah, they're like so many people are like, "Oh, I need the full brightness to be able to perform my job.
1: Do you think they take some sort of sadistic pleasure in exposing you to a lot of light first thing in the morning?
0: I think it's probably annoying as an attendant to feel like you're basically showering a dead person. <laughs> right
1: like cleaning up a crime scene what does that mean yeah
0: it would feel like you're working in a mortuary or something (laughs) Where like every morning they come in like hi anthony i'm just like and that's it
1: i suppose it would be slightly annoying for someone to have to like um take care of another person who is only half as awake as they are That like some people just think if i have to be awake so do you
0: yeah but the flip side is they're like, why aren't you awake? And it's like, well, because I woke up four seconds ago. <laughs> They're like, why aren't you talking yet? And I'm like, you haven't even closed the door.
1: And you like, you don't even, like, you can't, pardon me, but you can't take your hand and pick the eye snot out of your eyes.
0: Yeah. yeah. The, the first thing that I do every morning is wipe whatever disgust has built up on my face over the course of the night.
1: Yeah, and you have like really prominent eyebrows and probably like full eyelashes.
0: Oh, there is full disgust.
1: Yeah, so I imagine there's a lot of eye snot up in there.
0: Yeah, like if you don't if you don't use a clock that's wet, <laughs> then like those eyes aren't opening today. God damn. It's just glued shot.
1: Okay, so but you didn't really answer my question. There's not a single attendant who's good at waking you up in a way that doesn't ruin your morning.
0: No, no, that's not, that's absolutely, that's not true. If I'm vibing with the person, then generally they're chill. But there isn't, there's like maybe one or two that won't force the light on me.
1: Do you ever have pain first thing in the morning?
0: No, I'm really lucky in that I don't really get pain. I hope I don't to myself by saying that, but I feel like I should have a lot more pain just based on, like, you know, my spine looks like a dollar sign, I'm sure. And my, you know, my my neck is crooked. My hips are a little off. So, like, I think I should have a lot more pain, but I don't. So that, no. Okay. I also have a really nice mattress. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> that's another brag, I guess. <laughs> I'm kind of a big deal. <laughs> well, that's a good... Do uh... you wake up pretty often with pain? No, I
1: mean it it depends It's usually like it's usually like uh a little whiles into the morning after I've showered and gotten dressed. If I'm going to feel pain that day, I will know by like ten o'clock
0: for me, having a hot shower really helps. like I have a hot shower every single day, and that's like my oasis. First of all, I hate being cold, and so the attendants know that, and they're pretty good about that. So actually at Christmas time, I got a towel warmer given to me. Mm-hmm. And so every morning now, while I'm taking a shit, they'll cover me in a hot towel. And I, that's like, honestly, it doesn't get better than that. Like, it's just like my alone time, the shower's running. So the steam starts to kind of like fill my lungs a bit, which is good. And then I have a towel covering me that's just fresh out of a heater and i'm taking my morning shit and like <laughs> i don't think you can start a better day
1: is it like pavlov's dog it gets to the point where you can't have a good bowel movement unless you have a hot tail on your forehead Yo, when i went to the cottage
0: i had to turn the shower on to go to the bathroom because like my brain is like this is you can't take a dump here <laughs> oh. you need the shower oh
1: wow yes
0: yeah, so i had to turn on the the water just to,
1: yeah you and your high maintenance butthole tony
0: yeah it's a very high maintenance but it's better than you know having to like fish it out every morning or some other oh
1: my god please
0: that's been discussed
1: i know yeah we've talked about this offline
0: yeah my doctors have told me that like you know get prepared one day you're not going to be pushing someone will be pulling
1: jesus christ can
0: you imagine i don't want to think about that but some people have to do that every day. And there's like a whole technique. I had a nurse explain it to me. And just to get it off my mind, let me explain it to you.
1: I hope you were like at a doctor's appointment and not just like having coffee at Starbucks.
0: Yeah, <laughs> it was a bumble date. <laughs> yeah, she was just like, well, what are the things to talk about? You know, you have two sphincters. <laughs> you know what coffee is real good for, right? Oh, yeah. You always try to sell me on the idea of drinking coffee. Yeah, it
1: wakes you up and it gives you a great
0: morning bowel movement. Yeah, I don't know. I'm not convinced. I'm convinced that maybe it would wake me up, but I think I would crash an hour later.
1: No, Tony, that's not true.
0: Yeah, I just, I don't know. Maybe I'm I'm a Mormon or something and I just don't want to. I don't want to put another monkey on your back
1: or not to say that you have any.
0: Man, from the back, I looked like a monkey. (laughs) Oh, God. I had to add to my care plan last week, like regular shaving (laughs) of my body hair.
1: Of your body
0: hair? Because it was just getting out of control.
1: (laughs) I thought you were going to say of exclusively my testicles.
0: I think part of the reason my back does get sore sometimes is just because of the amount of back hair I have pushes me out of my seat.
1: You would think it would just be extra padding.
0: No, I have never shaved my back. I've actually never seen my back. <laughs>
1: <laughs> have you ever seen your back? I have. Yeah, I've studied it like profusely because of the nature of the scoliosis curve. I'm always worried that. Did you
0: use a mirror, or did someone take pictures?
1: Just a mirror. I don't know. I always feel like a like a wet noodle.
0: But how did you do it? If you're in your chair, how can you see your back?
1: I had like multiple mirrors at one point, and I could you you finagle it so you can
0: Right just like bounce a light around. Yeah. yeah, I don't think it would even be I'd have to ask someone to like get um I don't even have a portable mirror, so if I wanted to see my back, I'd either have to take a picture or I'd have to like lie on my side in a bed with two mirrors
1: just just go the Andrew Gerza route and get a film crew to fucking. Film your morning get up routine and uh,
0: I don't know if I care that much what my back looks like,
1: (laughs) yeah. But you could segue that into other
0: opportunities,
1: you know, build a brand around it,
0: right? Harry Tony. I hope we eventually get sponsored by some kind of grooming company.
1: (laughs) I'm trying to think of some sort of uh, Gillette related cripple pun, but it's not
0: coming to me, (laughs) yeah. I don't even know. The best a man can get is their thing, right?
1: Yep. Or is that an Axe Body Spray?
0: I never used Axe Body Spray.
1: Oh, you weren't a douchebag in high school. Yeah, that's true.
0: I oh, I mean, I used Old Spice. Is that douche?
1: No, that's pretty standard.
0: I feel like those are the two camps.
1: You either smelled like your dad or like Dane Cook.
0: Wait, which one is Dane Cook?
1: Axe Body Spray.
0: There is no way Dane Cook wore Axe Body Spray. He sure did. Look at
1: that guy. He's the, he's the picture of 2006.
0: No, that guy,
1: uh, I don't know. He wore like those colored bra- or, uh, cancer bracelets, the plastic things, you know.
0: Oh, yeah, the Livestrong.
1: Yeah, yeah, the frosted tips and like the choker around his neck and like the, the American Eagle polo.
0: Believe it or not, I've never thought about what Dan Cook smelled like. <laughs> I don't even know what the hell I'm going on about right now. How did I get here? I don't know either. Where are we going?
1: Well, we have to talk about a movie that we watched this
0: week. Yeah. Should we talk about an Australian accent? I
1: can't do an Australian accent, Tony.
0: Can you tell me what the difference is between Australian
1: and British? No. I think it's how you say your strong vowels or your hard vowels, yeah? I think you still sound British to me. I'm sorry. I can't help it, Tony. Do I sound British to you? You do sound British to me.
0: You sound straight off the British Bake off or whatever it's called. Thank you, I appreciate that. I bet you I could make a mean muffin. <laughs>
1: You're actually a very good cook, Tony, you know that.
0: I don't think it translates into baking cakes, though.
1: Yeah, well, that's true, it's a different domain, isn't it?
0: Yeah, but... The thing is,
1: what I found so, so fascinating about you, Tony, is that you can barely chew. I literally have something stuck in my throat right now. Because I can't swallow it. That's why we're recording the episode, as a chance to try to clear your throat.
0: (laughs) Didn't you say it was an jalapeno or something like that? Yeah, I don't really know what it is, but I feel like this accent's not really helping us out.
1: That's true, I'll stop.
0: Okay, but like for a second, what is the difference between an Australian and a British accent?
1: I don't know. I, I have no idea. One sounds like Gordon Ramsay and the other sounds like Nicole Kidman.
0: My Google Home talks to me in an Australian accent, and I still don't really know if it's not British. Like It might just be the same accent.
1: Aren't uh, Australians just warmer British people?
0: Yeah. It's like British people that like the outdoors. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's it.
1: So why does there need to be a difference?
0: It's like you took a guy out of Harvard and gave him a surfboard. Yeah. Is Harvard? Is is that in the States? I don't even know. It is. Yeah. I don't know what you're talking about. I'm at Oxford. (laughs) All right. Tell us about this movie.
1: So we watched a movie called Penguin Bloom, which sounds like a a weird sex maneuver that you read off of Urban Dictionary. But in fact, it's actually the name of a
0: family pet (laughs) to perform on Penguin Bloom you're first going to need to sit on your eggs. <laughs> I was watching some David Attenborough stuff before we started recording. Mm-hmm. And man.
1: Just to do some research about birds or
0: what? Well, first of all, birds are incredible. They like dance for each other. And they're like fully transparent about their, their goals. And I wish that online dating was the same thing.
1: What do you mean? They're overt in their like
0: mating rituals? It's, yeah, it's just very much like, Hey, do you like the colors or not? <laughs> like, I, look, I made this. I made this tail. I I I danced. Take it or leave it. <laughs> and the girl's looking like, um, yeah, okay, sure.
1: That sounds fine. Yeah, sounds expedient.
0: One thing I learned is that mammals cannot be green. Excuse me. Yeah, think about that for a second. What about the Hulk? Okay. <laughs> Or, or call David Attenborough. <laughs> Unfortunately, David, you've forgotten the one guy from the Marvel Universe. You forgot Bruce Banner, you bastard. <laughs> but yeah, so tigers are orange because they can't be green. And wait, wait for it. So tigers are black and orange, right? And deer that they often hunt don't have the cone to perceive reddish light. So to a deer, when a tiger is stalking it in the branches, it just looks like more branches because the orange of the tiger just turns into a shade of green.
1: I'm really hoping this is the only animal story you have for the podcast. today.
0: (laughs) I found it fascinating and you should too. (laughs) Okay. Sorry that I didn't know more Bruce Banner trivia.
1: I don't know any. I just couldn't think of any other
0: green mammals. Because there aren't any, which <laughs> you would have known if you listened to David Attenborough. <laughs> is David Attenborough the one
1: who appears in Jurassic Park, or is that Richard Attenborough? There's another Attenborough? Yeah, they're, they're a pair of brothers. The Attenboroughs. <laughs> <laughs>
0: I hope you choke on your coffee.
1: I totally spilled it everywhere. Oh, shit. I actually have thought about that. Maureen's not going to come on the podcast now because she's going to be mad at you for making me spill my coffee. Who? Maureen, my mother.
0: Oh, yeah. Well, maybe she'll teach you how to put it in a sippy cup. (laughs) I realized that when I'm friends with disabled people, the true test of whether or not I make a good joke around them As if they choke on their liquid. Yeah, it's so true. Whenever, whenever it's like my goal, I actually kind of want to put you in the hospital. I know we've talked about this before. Yeah, like if you ever kill a wheelie from laughter, you will be like, I'll be like, all right, I'm gonna quit my job and try comedy. Yeah, yeah. When you start taking a drink, it actually there's some insane part of my brain Mm -hmm. that goes make a joke right now.
1: Yeah, all the synapses in your brain get devoted to joke making.
0: Yeah, and like make him choke on the sip.
1: Oh, dude, we should start a thing where you actually do stand up and then I sit in the corner with a liquid.
0: Yeah, we'll charge like extra money for people if they want to sit beside you in the the splash zone. Yeah, (laughs) Yeah. that'd be amazing. We get like branded raincoats.
1: (laughs) It actually did spill quite a bit. Fuck me. What was
0: it, David Attenborough?
1: Yeah, the Attenbros. It's really <laughs> stupid, but the type of shit that actually gets me like full guffawing, you know?
0: I think also part of it is because of your like spasticity. When you're holding a drink, every part of your brain is like, don't spill this. Don't spill this drink. And the other
1: mistake I made was trying to drink from my left hand. I like my non-dominant hand, which like it, 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 I, it I can't control it uh in a state of laughter
0: do you have more command over your right hand spasms
1: my right hand never spasms it's like all challenge
0: accepted
1: it's it's the most able-bodied part of my body is my right hand
0: are we just diving into your profile on tinder or something
1: no i thought you were gonna make a masturbation joke but you didn't so thank you
0: you're welcome it's, it's actually not something i really consider i don't often think about you masturbating that's good and dan cook smiling good Two things I've talked about today that really haven't helped me in any positive way.
1: See, this is why I tried to warn my sister not to listen to the podcast, but it is what it is.
0: In case she finds out that you're right-hand dominant? Yes. I'm still not talking about masturbating. So we watched Penguin Bloom, and then Tony went ahead and- Can you describe this exposition? No. Okay.
1: I don't even, I I didn't bother to parse that.
0: Do you have any ideas? No, but you said you found it on Urban Dictionary. I
1: didn't. I said it sounds like something you'd find on Urban Dictionary. Oh,
0: All right. But it's
1: about a woman who um, falls down during a trip with her family to Thailand, and she ends up paralyzed.
0: Wait, it's based on a true story.
1: Yeah, it is. Yeah. And so she ends up paralyzed from the chest down, and uh, she basically, the movie is about her son- discovering a bird with a broken wing outside of their home and bringing it into the house mere weeks after she had her surgery to fuse her back, I guess. Yeah. And so the premise is that um, this new house pet helps this woman to cope with her new disability crisis.
0: Yeah, the bird kind of becomes like a metaphor for if I can spread my wings... Then, or if the bird can spread, you know, like, I don't know.
1: Well, it's because she's a mother, and her, like, part of her identity, a very key component of her identity, is in her capacity to care for her family. Like, the movie actually says that explicitly. I'm not just being sexist. Um, (laughs) but uh, so like, the bird is kind of the first thing that she can take care of without feeling like a wheelie. Yeah. Which I can kind of relate with. Like, you know, I enjoyed having a cat for that reason. And so apparently a woman in real life had this situation happen. And uh yeah, that's the
0: premise. That's the crazy part to me was when I was watching the movie, I was like, oh, this is so cheesy. Like oh, the bird is too perfect of a metaphor. And like this whole thing just doesn't add up i know it said at the beginning that it's based on a true story but you know sometimes when it says it's based on a true story it either just straight up isn't and they just said that to hook you in or you know it's like there once was a disabled person or there once was a person who broke their back and was in a wheelchair but and then i after we watched the movie to be fair i did really enjoy the movie while we were watching it But after I watched the movie, I went and read about it. And it's based on a book that the husband wrote of the story. And it's pretty much verbatim what happens in the movie, which is really cool. So what I'm saying is it was kind of hard to believe at the beginning, but then it was real. So it actually happened.
1: There's this weird trope going on lately of uh, movies featuring depressed protagonists who's like only thing kind of keeping them invested in their lives is like the need to look after their house pets. So you think like John Wick or like that stupid Ricky Gervais show about his wife who recently died of cancer. I can't remember what the hell it's called. It's called, uh oh, oh something depressing. I can't remember. Yeah. Oh, it's called Afterlife. Right. And anyway, yeah. So the only thing that gets him out of bed is the fact that his dog needs to eat. And this this movie kind of carries that forward. You know, this woman wakes up every day in a great deal of pain. She's like totally dependent upon her husband to uh, do all of her personal care. It seems in those initial few weeks of her recovery. And she's very depressed. But I, I agree with you, Tony. I actually did enjoy this movie. I thought it was like maybe the most normcore wheelie movie that we've watched on the podcast so far. Which is to say that it was about disability and about the trauma of a new incident and about uh, reframing your life and trying to find meaning under uh, drastically different circumstances, but it wasn't it wasn't too too heavy handed, uh, and I think Naomi Watts does a really good job at being angry at the situation and herself and sort of occasionally inflicting that anger upon her husband and her children but it's not over there's no melodrama about it and the scenes like with the bird like i don't know what sort of like animal trainer they had on set but that bird uh, had a surprising amount of character and that sounds really cheesy of me to say
0: no the bird was the best actor in the whole movie
1: yeah i know i, I know and it, i was thinking I, I was thinking like okay all of this, the, like, this whole movie kind of checks out. We we frequently complain about how uh, we've never seen a story where a wheelie uh, looks after children. Yeah. Or, the, like, or we've never seen that phase of a wheelie's life uh, depicted on film.
0: Like, being a successful parent.
1: Yeah. Or how that works. Or, like, we've never seen characters even entertain th- that idea. Like, it's always sort of assumed that eventually you sort of run out of uh, goodwill care tokens and you have to settle for a life of not building a family. Yeah. So this movie actually goes there. And I thought it did a really good job. Like, one of the things that I liked was that, like, the kids behave like kids you know there's there's three or four of them and they're all brothers The
0: kids were all really good actors too they they were they seem
1: like they might actually be friends in real life or part of the same acting class or something like they actually had a camaraderie and they all they they spend the whole movie like fucking about which is really funny like you know naomi watts is really depressed and she's trying to do all kinds of typical wheelie things like i don't know use cutlery at the countertop or a shower or I don't know, clean up the living room. And her kids are just like running around and they're like jumping on trampolines and they're, they're like going from outside to inside on various (laughs) bicycles and shit. They're just being kids. And their mom happens to be a new, newly disabled person. And they all kind of are sad that she's depressed and they can feel her sadness, but the movie doesn't like really dwell on that too much. No. And there's a surprising a surprising amount of tact in all of it. Um, and I, I guess the greatest cardinal sin that it commits is that, again, Naomi Watts is not a wheelie in real life.
0: Yeah, but I would say though, I think part of the reason, a big part of the reason that it was so compelling and realistic and it just felt authentic from beginning to end Yeah, is because... The actual mother and father that it was based on were producers of the movie,
1: yeah, they were, and there's there are little details in the movie that sort of betray that it came from a real place, yeah, and i don't I can't even really cite any specific details, but you 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 just sort started- of just had a lot of heart yeah you like there's a groundedness to the events that occur on the screen. The, it's it's just sort of clear that it's derived from real life.
0: Uh, we can talk a, a bit about that again. Like, I don't think I'm ever going to know why I sit on this argument, but yeah, they didn't cast uh, a disabled person. Yeah. And I think for this one, they could have, because yeah. there were obviously more scenes with her disabled than there were of her walking around. He, he, yeah. Um, It would have been, I think it's easier from a casting point of view and a filmmaking point of view to pick someone who can just sit in a chair for a bunch of the movie and then stand for parts than it would have been to try to like, I don't know, find a body double and then deep fake the face on or something.
1: Well, they don't have to resort to that type, that sort of cheap bullshit that we've talked about. I think CGI is almost always a cop-out because then it just becomes about the magic of
0: So two different actors? I think, yeah, two different
1: actors would be really cool because like she talks about in the in the middle of the film's run when she finally sort of starts to uh confront her anger at the situation, her kids get food poisoning and uh they they get like violently sick. And it's like in the middle of the middle of the night at like three a m
0: yeah, and she can't help,
1: yeah, instead of calling out for her, they call out for the husband, which I guess is wasn't par for the course before her accident, so she's like kind of devastated by this, that she can only sort of tap her husband on the shoulder then he has to go rescue them from rivers
0: of puke. This seems like a cool guy too though,
1: yeah. I was going to say, I I have some some ideas on that. I I agree with you. He's played by that dude from The Walking Dead.
0: Yeah. (laughs)
1: Was it Andrew Edwards or something? I don't know. Some generically handsome looking Australian guy that looks like any extra in an anti-Western.
0: But he's using his actual voice this time.
1: Oh, is he? Yeah. Oh, yeah, that's true. Yeah. I never watched The Walking Dead. I always thought it was trash.
0: No, in The Walking Dead, he's, he's doing an American accent. They should make a show called the Disabled
1: Dead. It's just like zombie hordes of dead people in like manual chairs, and they just sort of slowly charge at you.
0: If if that was the apocalypse, everyone would survive. (laughs) You just go up one flight of stairs and be like, "All right, we're chilling."
1: Yeah, yeah. You just surround your like your your barracks is like totally under uh, protected. You just like put a single lip like a single stair lip, like all the way across the perimeter of your, uh, yeah. fortress.
0: You could even just let them into your house and just lie on the couch.
1: Yeah. The zombies would need like a- attendants to be able to like, uh, eat brains.
0: Would the attendants also be zombies? Imagine like the seven hour routine of waking up in the morning. <laughs> Cause everyone's moving so slow. <laughs> like, uh... <laughs> Do
1: you You're already like one standard deviation away from a zombie first thing in the morning.
0: I know exactly. Yeah. And it takes me two hours to wake up. <laughs> what I'm saying is I'd have to start getting up at six to be ready by noon. Yeah.
1: Anyway, uh, w- w- what we were saying about the, the, the casting of Naomi Watts, um, I think it would be really uh, appropriate to have, two different actors because after this incident where she can't help her kids, uh, through their bout of food poisoning, she says like, I feel like I've lost myself completely. Like I'm a completely different person. I don't know who I am anymore.
0: Yeah, that's true.
1: And, uh, like this is exactly it testifies exactly to what maggie was talking about but then it would have turned into like an art house film
0: or something
1: but that's not always a shitty designation if you're a if you're a clever uh director or screenwriter you can get away with a lot of those uh creative choices
0: i mean it would have been interesting i definitely well is this the first movie we've watched uh of an acquired disability
1: no stronger
0: Oh, that's right. Yeah, of course.
1: Another interesting thing that Naomi Watts' character does is um, at one point, she's left alone in the house during the day and her mother's not there yet to help her um, with her lunch routine. And she's looking at all these family photos that she has across the wall of her living room. And there's like a couple dozen there, like lines the entire wall. And she decides to take a broomstick and break all of them. And I thought that like, you know, that's strikingly similar to what Maggie did to her uh, uh, to her acting stills. And so, yeah, like, the, uh, you know, the kids come home and the dad comes home and they look at their mother surrounded in like broken picture frames and glass everywhere. And one of the kids under his breath is like, has mommy gone mad? And yeah. I actually love that because it's like because the kids react quite organically to the situation, like some of them are too young to have a a filter yet about what their mom is going through yeah
0: well there was also that scene where uh, one of the kids is like kind of trying to figure out mom's new abilities Mm -hmm. and so she he's like poking her and like yeah
1: do you feel that can you feel that that?
0: can you feel feel this
1: over there and she's like you know like rubbing her like hand through his hair and like and like responding quite uh warmly Like,
0: no, son, I can't. But then he's like, oh, that's cool. It's like a superpower. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Which is a really cool kid reaction. Uh, Yeah.
1: Find the sweetness in something sad.
0: Yeah. I mean, I thought the movie had so much heart and was just like probably one of the best movies uh, I've seen in a while where it felt like the disability was at the forefront, but it wasn't they weren't using it in any way. They were using it just as much as life used it as a lesson for her.
1: Yeah. It was prioritized in just the right amount. Yeah. And um, another sort of creative choice that I appreciated was there's a kind of B-plot after Naomi Watts starts to get her shit together, where she becomes uh, slightly more willing to leave the house and experiment with her, with her new body and her husband suggests that she try kayaking because when she was able-bodied, she liked to surf and was really active and yada, yada, yada. A- and so she starts taking kayaking lessons. And uh, at the end of the film, uh, the sort of closing credits or whatever, I forget what you call those, but where they sort of explain what happens to the characters after the end of the movie's events, it's it was like, yeah, uh, Naomi Watts went and won a whole bunch of cripple-related athletic tournaments Yeah, uh, about kayaking. <laughs> and I was like, it's cool that the movie didn't actually choose to show that because I feel like all of these movies uh, or a significant percentage of these movies are fixated on showing their character...
0: Overcoming.
1: Yeah, overcoming, yeah. Achieve some sort of physical conquest in spite of the... Lack of physicality in their lives, uh, and so I, w- I was like, yeah, it's pretty cool that they didn't focus on that because I, w- I, I, I might have been annoyed by that.
0: Well, it would have turned into more less about their like emotional journey and more of her physical journey. Yeah, because I think what this movie did really well was even though her physical disability, like I said, is like super at the forefront of the movie, it's really her emotional journey that we're looking at.
1: Yeah, it's her trying to figure out what her identity is or how her character is refactored in the light of the fact that she can no longer walk. Yeah. And and it's her realizing again that she can, of course, be a wife to her husband and a mother to her children. And, I mean, she was a nurse professionally beforehand, and they actually handle that really uh, interestingly as well. She obviously doesn't end up, you know, uh, back in the ER or whatever, right. but they They have a scene where she goes out for brunch with her mum and sister, and she runs into one of her colleagues and there's a There's a tension there there's a discomfort there that again is not overplayed or melodramatic or anything like that. I was thinking about that like do you think you would resent your friends? I think so, yeah,
0: like if you became disabled all of a sudden.
1: I guess resentment is the wrong word. They would be more a reminder of what cannot can no longer be.
0: Well, you might still resent them. But yeah, it wouldn't be like you're not resenting them as a person.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Because if I like if I spent my wasted my time resenting able bodied people, I wouldn't have any able bodied friends. I'd be like, oh fuck you. You're really good at basketball. And I, I wish I could dunk.
0: Do you resent people when they're like really good at video games?
1: Uh, sometimes actually, to be honest, sometimes. Yeah, I really, I really wish I had equal coordination in my left and right hand so that I could be more competitive at certain games.
0: Is it because you don't think that they're taking it for, or you think that they're taking it for granted or is it that? Sorry, go ahead. Well, I I don't know what it is. I, well, because,
1: because when I play games and this topic is a funny one, because I'm kind of self-conscious of my relationship to video games and how much I play. The thing is my profession is in software. So it's arguably relevant to other facets of my life that are not immature.
0: That's a hilarious justification. but (laughs) I'm basically doing research for work when I play video games. (laughs) So I actually started writing off all my steam purchases on my taxes. (laughs) Man, don't, talk about my scams on
1: the podcast (laughs) but anyway what was i saying oh yeah so how you resent
0: your friends for being coordinated
1: (laughs) yeah those they're all
0: motherfuckers yeah especially J dark just kidding i resent people for like how easily they can push an elevator button sometimes
1: i know like We've talked about this before, but just like watching the effortlessness uh, with which uh, able-bodied people move certain muscles. Yeah. And it's very evident that they're not thinking about it, that there's like some sub process in their brains that handles it for them. But there's so much, there's so much communicated in that body language. There's like character and personality and like a certain kind of competence. Yeah. And I resent, I resent that I cannot speak that language consciously or unconsciously to other people.
0: Yeah, the other day someone was like, well, your body language, you're just saying you weren't into it. And I was like, my body language? What do you mean? My body's mute.
1: Yeah, yeah, my body's on mute, yeah. Yeah, like what what, what language? The sum total of your body language is in your eyebrows. (laughs) Yeah. And the, the ferocity with which you scratch your nose.
0: I don't think it's jealous or I don't think it's resentment as much as it is just pure jealousy.
1: Well, let me get back to that video game question because I still have another 250 words to answer it.
0: Okay, sorry, yeah. Uh,
1: um, <laughs> the the reason that I might get somewhat jealous or defensive about uh gaming is because I play with guys who are very skilled and they've spent a lot of time like you know getting there. Some of them I'm I'm thinking of coworkers who are high ranking in certain online games, and I feel so pathetic saying this.
0: Yeah, you sound a little ridiculous. <laughs> At least I have you to tell me
1: that, Tony. But the um, the thing is, is that I get I get measured. My performance is measured not by the like like the fact that I'm disabled doesn't get factored into it. Like I don't get extra time to play the game the way I got extra time to do exams. So I'm I'm measured as an able-bodied gamer. No, you're not. though. I
0: kind of am a little bit. Like to them, I am. Maybe not to you. I don't think so, like I don't think anyone's forgetting that you're disabled. It's just like what we were talking about uh before, like how you want them to treat you the same as they would treat your able bodied counterpart, but they're not forgetting that you're disabled
1: yeah there's there's uh, like this whole subject is fraught with contradiction, okay, yeah, yeah, so i get I get that and and they aren't. But it does it does make a difference, like a slight difference. And so that's when I get petty. That's all I'm saying. I'm saying this is an instance where I'm where I'm a little shitty sometimes.
0: You're saying you wish you had more time to play video games. No, no. Yeah, you wish you got extra time accommodation. No, you said
1: you said that you asked me if there are any instances where I am resentful of able-bodied people.
0: Yeah, but aren't you saying that you wish that you had extra time? The same as you did on exams? I'm saying that
1: I get frustrated with my able-bodied gamers when they criticize my performance without factoring in my disability.
0: Right. But wouldn't it... Okay, let's flip it. If they were like, yeah, but it's fine, you're disabled. Nobody expects you to be good at this. Wouldn't that be more annoying?
1: Yeah. Then that's also shitty. Absolutely.
0: So yeah, it's a fucking catch-22. Yeah. I get jealous of people when they eat. When I watch someone eat food, yeah. Like you ate a meal while we were talking. Uh, but not in front of you. I didn't have my camera on. It doesn't, it's not that. I don't, I wouldn't have been upset at you for eating. I would have honestly just, I would have watched you a little too creepily because I would have been like, like even right now, you're holding a coffee cup up to your face. And part of me, doesn't want to describe it because the other part of me wants you to choke on it. But the way that you're able to hold a cup drives me bananas.
1: Really? I'm sorry.
0: No, not in a way that you should be feel guilty in a way that you should like start flexing and just like hold bigger and bigger cups,
1: drink out of three cups at the same time. Yeah. And what would that accomplish?
0: Well, when I see someone take like a normal bite of a sandwich or like open their mouth more than eight popsicle sticks wide, I'm not resenting them. Like I have no ill feelings towards them, but I am almost in awe. I'm like, I wonder what that's like. Like, I wonder what it would be like to just, honestly, I think I would be 800 pounds. I think I would eat so much food.
1: Yeah, if you went from where you are now to fully able to feed yourself, you'd probably be overweight for a while.
0: Yeah, we have I haven't factored that in to any real breakers.
1: You know that like you know that scene in The Nutty Professor when uh Eddie Murphy's character becomes instantly skinnier and so he starts to celebrate in exaggerated ways. He like runs out and gets spandex and he starts dancing and he's like like I don't know, I think by the end of the montage he's screaming like,
0: I'm a pony, I'm a pony <laughs> I don't know what they're doing. <laughs> Are you saying? That's what you picture me to do?
1: Yeah, like if you became instantly able-bodied, you would just like go to a buffet and just be like, yeah. this is delicious, this is delicious,
0: this is delicious. I would order a Big Mac and be like, I don't need forks and knives. You'd order four Big Macs. I would probably like, I'd forget that people didn't know I used to be disabled. So I'd go to the drive-thru and be like, can I get a sub? And you don't have to cut it in half. And they'd be like, yeah, we don't usually cut it in half. (laughs) And then when you
1: eventually get the runs from binging fast food, you can dash to a regular stall toilet.
0: Oh, God, that sounds
1: fantastic. Yeah, you won't have to wait for any, like, non-courteous, able-bodied motherfucker to strut out of the disabled toilet and realize what he's done.
0: Yeah, I would go in, like, the most disgusting outhouse. Yeah, and you'd be like, I could shit here. And you'd be so happy. I'd be happy that I could just put my own toilet paper down on the shit-laden seat. Ooh. Yeah.
1: Imagine that luxury. That sounds fantastic.
0: Where did this come from? <laughs> I'm honestly just fantasizing about all the ways I would do normal stuff if I was able to <laughs> Yeah, yeah, right? What did you, okay. You know, one thing that really gets me Uh is people who live in New York Uh and they just like reach their hand out and a cab stops and they get in it.
1: Doesn't that sound so proficient?
0: That's insane. Yeah. If if we were in New York, we'd have to call a week in advance to see if there's someone around that could pick us up.
1: You'd have to pre-register for a service, and then they'd probably have to get a background check. Yeah, and they'd send you a bunch of paperwork. Yeah, and then they'd send a social worker to come look at you, make sure you're a cripple. Yeah, and, and then and then the first the first time you call, they send the wrong size van, and then the next time they call, they send a van but without the right harness, and then the third time they come around, you actually do get an appropriate van, but your driver is close to death <laughs> for some reason. It's got some sort of death rattle cough and it just sort of slowly shuff- shuffling.
0: I've definitely ridden in like sideways in vans and backwards on buses and mm-hmm. you're like, as long as I get where I need to go eventually. Yeah, you're like a piece of
1: human luggage. They just throw you in there and strap you down in any sort of weird convoluted
0: way. Yeah. And they just keep going. So imagine just being able to like reach your hand out at a cab Stops and you just sit down into a seat in a moving, like, I don't know, sounds fantastic.
1: And then if you're a New Yorker, like, it's kind of socially acceptable for you to be inexplicably rude to the cab driver, even if they've done nothing wrong.
0: Yeah, but if I had just become able bodied, I would be like, How's it going? Isn't this so cool that we can just like stop you and you're here? And the cab's like, I don't care. Where are you going?
1: Yeah, yeah, you just want to hug everyone because like, life yeah. is suddenly
0: so much more open and free. You're at the crosswalk and the, the walking symbol comes up and you're like, oh, I actually identify with that now. <laughs> Before, I was like, I guess I'll go. Yeah, no, that sounds fantastic, but I still don't remember how we got here.
1: That's a good question. What
0: were we talking about?
1: We were talking about resenting able bodied people because I was telling mm. the story about how in Penguin Bloom, uh, Naomi Watts runs into her coworker, and it's an incredibly awkward situation because seeing her coworker reminds her of the profession that she's no longer able to perform. And then there's also a note of that phenomenon that Maggie mentioned, which is Dreading running into people that you haven't seen since before your accident. And what I really liked about that is that that moment occurred on the screen, but was not ever discussed or spelled out in the dialogue. It was just like really evident that Naomi didn't want to be there talking to her coworker, and also that her coworker didn't know how to treat her now.
0: Yeah, that's a really good point. They were the whole movie. The way it was written and directed, it was very good at showing things without like hammering anything home. It was very subtle.
1: Yeah, there was hardly any dialogue, really. Yeah. Um, and, and we haven't even talked really about like the bird, which is kind of a a gimmick, really and truly, honestly.
0: But it's not because that was that's what I thought too. I thought, well, this is like a cheesy thing to years to drive the story forward but that is what happened in real life
1: yeah and you end up liking the bird because of the way it kind of interacts with the actors like it actually looks like the bird wants to be there
0: i think that that bird went to acting school
1: yeah it did i was gonna say like did i already say this already but it is a little sad that they couldn't hire a real disabled person but they hired a real magpie (laughs) (laughs)
0: <laughs> <laughs> it's easier to get a bird to act in your movie <laughs> yeah, that it, than a disabled person.
1: Yeah. Like that, that insinuation is kind of insulting,
0: right? Yeah. Because if you did say to them, why didn't you hire a disabled person? It would have been like, there are no qualified disabled actors. Yeah. But there's like three dozen qualified magpies. Yeah. We happen to find a magpie who can act and sit and basically is like Leonardo DiCaprio in the movie.
1: Yeah, it can read a script and follow orders.
0: Yeah. And it's toilet trained. Well, it wasn't toilet trained. That is why they ended up putting it outside. Mm,
1: yeah, it would shit everywhere.
0: Maybe that was the same problem they had with the cripples they tried to hire.
1: That's what I was alluding to, yeah.
0: Yeah. They were like, well, I mean, you're great, but can you just stop shit on the counters? <laughs> That's a really funny point, though, because you're right. Like, if we had... If Twitter blew up about this movie and was like, why didn't you try to hire a disabled person? They would have been like, well, we tried. We just couldn't find a qualified actor. But we definitely found a bird.
1: And it's like, so we should make it a rule that if you can't hire a real disabled person, then you can't hire a real anything else. Like you can't hire a real, you can't hire real children.
0: What if it was a crow and they just painted parts of it white?
1: That would have outraged bird Twitter.
0: <laughs> but would it have made you feel better about, about not casting a wheelie? It was like, guys, it wasn't actually a magpie, it was a crow. <laughs> oh, never mind then. Okay, we're fine. By the way, what would bird Twitter be called, Tweeter? Yeah, I'm pretty sure bird Twitter is just Twitter. <laughs> the logo is a magpie.
1: Oh, yeah, that's true, eh? Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I only have one problem with this movie, okay? Okay. Which is that at the end of the film, Naomi Watts' husband takes her out.
0: I think I know where this is going.
1: For a fucking picnic with all her friends. Yeah. And they put her on this really cool reclinable uh, hoist of a chair. And then she looks like a pharaoh. And she's surrounded by friends and family. And they're like hiking with her.
0: This isn't the part that you were annoyed by, is it?
1: No, no, no. I just, I'm, I just, I'm describing this because I kind of liked this image. Yeah. Okay. I thought it was a cool solution because one day I want my friends to do the same for me. So if anyone's listening, <laughs> at some point, you, you got to put me in a fucking Pharaoh chair and walk with me across. Uh,
0: go for a hike.
1: Yeah. Please. Let's go for a hike as long as I can uh, get high the whole time and laugh at you. But uh, anyway,
0: so. Do they have to feed you grapes and fan you the whole way too?
1: I would prefer some sort of expensive cheese.
0: But so no grapes? Grapes are kind of
1: messy. I don't know. I don't like, I don't like fruit that much. Grapes are messy? Would you eat half
0: the grape at a time? <laughs> don't you eat half the grape? That's it. You know what? I'll stand down. <laughs> Very fair point. I, if, I, if I wanted a grape today, there'd probably be a knife involved. See? Yeah. And then I'd have to peel it or something. Oh, God.
1: It's just better for you to drink wine. Yeah. Um, so they, they get her to the summit and then she's like sitting on a rock. And then she, she does that thing that like crippled characters in, in several of the movies that we've watched so far do, which is that they have this like uh, daydream where they get up and, and walk for a little bit and like yeah. do something profound. And then they, and then they cut quickly back to, to reality And it's supposed to, like, this happened in The Theory of Everything. It was, like, the exact same scene. Um, And it happens again in uh, Penguin Bloom. And it's annoying because it's, like, supposed to signify to the audience that even though Naomi is still disabled, like, in her heart, she is walking. (laughs) (laughs) Which is really fucking dumb. So dumb. Yeah. Because the very frustrating thing is that The movie does get actually at the root of the problem of her new disability, so it should be able to avoid this trope, but it doesn't. It indulges it fully because I guess these movies don't know how to end when their character is still disabled by the conclusion. And so, yeah, like the problem of disability is not that you can't walk. It's that disability makes you realize the very frailty of your station in life. So it's like when Naomi Watts fell and injured herself, she she didn't lose what made her a person. She still has her thoughts and feelings, her emotions. She still has compassion and all of her life experiences, all of her knowledge that she's accrued over time, everything that has gotten her up to the point of her incident. So it's like becoming disabled makes you realize that we haven't, Really created a role for cripples in society, and so you feel vulnerable. And there's like a kind, of, there's like a sense of a almost like a betrayal or something. And Maggie talked about this when w- when we interviewed her, and I think the movie understands that because at the heart of the film is a crisis of identity, uh, and it just sort of sucks that it at the end of the film it still boils it down to in her heart Naomi can still walk.
0: Yeah. This is a tricky one, because I definitely agree with everything you just said. Mm -hmm. But I also, well, first of all, the fact that the actual Sam and Cam Bloom were producers on this show, on the movie, kind of made me give it a lot longer of a leash. Because I'm like, well, maybe that's actually how she felt. And maybe that's the best way that she thought they could portray that.
1: Maybe that's true. But for me, it feels like it was a producer being like, well, we got to show her using our legs at some point or else what have we accomplished?
0: Well, maybe they were just trying to justify not hiring a disabled person.
1: Uh, Yeah, you actually said that while I was complaining while the scene was happening.
0: (laughs) But on the other hand, like we've all had those fantasies or those kind of moments where you're like, hey, maybe this disability... Or like you said, this new station in life doesn't define me again. Like maybe I'm complete in a way where whatever that means, even though I'm not able to stand, I feel like I can still stand on top of the mountain.
1: But I'm just saying that your will to continue to live should not be contingent upon some sort of metaphorical reassurance that you can walk
0: Well, then why do we do real breakers? Because it's funny. (laughs) I don't know. I do. I do. I do see what you're saying. And I agree with it. It definitely was the cheesiest part of the movie. I feel like I can let it slide because of how good the rest of the movie was.
1: You know, what's funny. This movie didn't actually get that good of reviews. Is that right? Like I was looking at Rotten Rotten Tomatoes and other aggregators and it scored between like 54 and 60. Did you read any of the reviews? No, I've stopped reading reviews before the podcast because I want to actually just give a raw opinion.
0: I'm the same way. That's interesting. I wonder what people are saying negatively about it, but I thought it was really good.
1: I did too. I didn't think it was... uh, like It being a true story meant that it never felt generic. And apart from that singular trope, there are very few other smaller moments... don't feel unique
0: what did you think about that metaphor where you know she's drowning in her wheelchair midway through the movie when she's like at her lowest low yeah and then at the end of the movie when she's fantasizing about standing at the edge of the cliff yeah she's floating back to the surface not in her wheelchair anymore
1: I don't know. There, that that was cool. It was. Yeah, I liked it.
0: It didn't it, like it worked. Even just technically, it was a very cool shot.
1: Yeah, and and uh, after she has that nightmare, she wakes up and there's water like falling around her commode. Yeah, it was really subtle. It was like very uh, low budget kind of special effect. And that was the kind of the most
0: artistic that the movie got.
1: Yeah, the, there's not a whole lot of. Uh, artistic flair throughout the film no which i think again sort of worked to its benefit
0: yeah because it, it really felt like you're just on an emotional journey with them and you're not watching it through the lens of like some voyeur you're actually sort of in the house with them
1: yeah the, the one other criticism you could leverage i suppose is that the a few of the more confrontational like familial fight scenes fall flat they're supposed to be kind of like emotional crescendos like when the uh, when naomi tries to reassure her son that he had nothing to do with the circumstances of her accident doesn't really i think hit as hard as they intended but i think the surrounding sort of portrait of her life like really made up for that and there's there's even some lightheartedness and some comedy with the fucking magpie that i wasn't really expecting so, yeah, I think this movie gets a, an undeservedly low score. And I think if other wheelies watch it, they'll probably enjoy it.
0: So how many power chairs would you give this movie on a scale of one to five power chairs?
1: Are they power chairs with fully charged lithium batteries?
0: Jokes on you. There are no lithium powered batteries in power chairs.
1: Oh, I didn't. I don't. Oh, fuck, I'm a fraud.
0: You're a fraud. Uh uh-huh. lithium batteries would be amazing but they're actually gel cell batteries like they use in cars
1: okay are they used gel cell batteries or are they brand new
0: uh they are not brand new because i don't know why i'm flexing <laughs> my battery muscles right now <laughs> actually uh, brand new batteries don't perform at their peak um you actually need them to be about 40 cycles deep oh, okay,
1: is that actually true yeah. Did we just discover the 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 subject about which you are slightly Asperger's? Yeah, maybe. <laughs> Have you been just waiting for someone to ask you about batteries forever?
0: Yeah, I was like, tell me tell me it's a lithium battery and I'll tell you. <laughs> I'll be
1: honest, sometimes I really hope someone will engage me about a movie.
0: Yeah, well we're doing a whole podcast right now.
1: I know, thank you. This is the, the I don't best- think
0: that was a danger. I think you are still looking for someone to engage you about a movie (laughs) and so i think that's never going to be enough because you can have a weekly podcast about movies and you're like i hope someone will talk to me about movies (laughs) (laughs) oh
1: damn
0: yeah so prime power chairs five really really good power chairs or you can you can talk in manual chairs or if you want you can talk in 3 wheeled scooters
1: Ooh, if I were to rate something in terms of three-wheeled scooters, then each scooter would be like a, a detriment to the film. So like <laughs> so like a theory of everything would be five three-wheeled scooters out of five. Oh. Yeah.
0: So is one three-wheeled scooter better than five three-wheeled scooters? Yeah,
1: it's just like the movie's like nominally shitty, like just a little.
0: So this movie, would you give it a combination of power chairs and scooters?
1: No, it would be. I would give it three like good condition power chairs, yeah, and one um, sports manual chair.
0: And what does that mean? That
1: means it was good.
0: It's not as good as if it got four power chairs, though. Yeah. Okay, so it's still missing an entire mobility device out of five.
1: Yeah, unfortunately. Yeah, there were places it could have improved.
0: Okay, three power chairs and one manual chair. Out of five mobility devices, uh huh. This is the simplest grading scale ever. <laughs> I know, right? One question I have about this movie is how did they get that amazing Oscar winning bird to do an MMA fight scene? Oh, yeah! Like, do you think that was CGI, or you're like, you hate this guy? Like, did they bring their like de- nemesis? Is it actually like gangs of magpies and they're like remember this guy he's the guy that took your gold necklace on the playground you better mess him up
1: well we already established that that there isn't a crippled drama school but there certainly is one for magpies so they probably just got like um, some sort of local australian magpie improv group to come in and pretend to fight each other
0: right yeah i I hadn't considered that yeah yeah well that makes sense do you think that Maybe they can start recruiting disabled people in the magpie improv team just to give them some platform to try from.
1: I don't know if magpies would be willing to work with wheelies.
0: No. I'm not sure. They do like shiny things.
1: That, oh, that's true. And and perches that rarely move.
0: I think it would be easy for a magpie to disable a wheelie. Because they just like, I don't know what, where I'm going with this. But they could just poke the wheels and pop them.
1: <laughs> that was a good
0: joke. Do <laughs>
1: you want to play wheelbreakers? Do I want to play wheelbreakers? Um wheelbreakers.
0: Sure. Do you have one?
1: No, you go first.
0: Alright. I can make you full of a body. Give you a dream body. You can be whoever you wanna be. You can even be the Hulk if you want. But every conversation you have, every word you speak, everything you say, you scream. In agony? No, just you're a very loud talker.
1: Like Fran Drescher?
0: I don't know who that is. It sounds like something you get at Ikea. The nanny. You don't know your 90s sitcoms? What's wrong with you? It honestly sounds like something you get in the living room section of Ikea.
1: She sounds like Lois Griffin, but louder.
0: I saw there's someone on Sesame Street.
1: Oh, so I have to yell the entire time.
0: Everything you say.
1: Okay. That's it?
0: Yeah, that's it. You're, you know, at dinner with your parents. You're, and you, you know, you just say, like, thank you for dinner. And then. What about environments where it's. Um, every environment. <laughs> even like movie theaters? Especially movie theaters. <laughs> and e- even when you try to whisper, it just gets louder. Can I opt? Can I opt not to speak? Yeah, absolutely. No, but I need to speak. Oh dear. For everything you say, even like in the middle of the night, someone's like, "Hey, Jamie." Yes.
1: (laughs) Could I get? Could I get a gig as a public speaker or? You get a gig as a public
0: screamer.
1: (laughs) Uh, Oh God! Is
0: it like a, a Wilhelm scream? Like from
1: Star Wars?
0: No, you're just talking as if you're in a loud crowd and you're trying to talk to your friend three meters away and they can't hear you. Is there any other context
1: where my screaming could be considered pleasurable or desired? Pleasurable?
0: (laughs) Absolutely not. (laughs) I'm offended that you even said that word in this context. (laughs) But you could definitely be like a gym coach. Or, yeah, or like that famous
1: character from uh, that Kubrick movie. Yeah, fine. I would do it. You
0: would do it? Small price to pay, Tony. Is it, though? Like, every meeting at work, you're just screaming into the mic? I would
1: lose my job constantly, and it would be really hard to keep a date. I would have to date a deaf person.
0: Well, at that point, why would you even have to talk? You just learn sign language. But then your sign language becomes really aggressive. You're like shouting at them with sign language.
1: Is that a thing?
0: (laughs) I think that's a thing. I think you can shout in sign language. If you can't, they should figure that out. Please
1: excuse our ignorance,
0: deaf people. You think deaf people are listening to this, Jamie? (laughs) And how exactly is that working?
1: (laughs) There's got to be some sort of... Podcast translation service for deaf people.
0: Yeah, there definitely is. And they're just unsubscribed. Definitely? Uh, Definitely. Oh, my God. If there is a deaf person reading this, how do you yell in sign language? It must be possible. There's got to be angry sign language people. This is beside the point, Tony. I think this is the point now.
1: Okay, so no wheel. That's my answer.
0: Wait, I always forget which one is no wheel. It's the opposite of no deal. So you will do it. Yes. No real. Yeah.
1: Okay. Are you ready for mine? Yeah. Okay. You're fully able-bodied, mm-hmm. but you have a pet magpie for life and the magpie constantly shits in your drinks oh. and you, you have no, you have no, you have no way of knowing which drink that it's shot in.
0: Or well, you can't taste it.
1: No, like you have to taste it before you know.
0: Oh, but then I can just take a sip. Be like, oh yeah, this one has shit in it. (laughs) And then try a their drink? Yeah,
1: you can, yeah.
0: Is it ever possible that they would shit back to back? Sure.
1: It's completely random, but every day, multiple times a day, they will shit in your drink.
0: Is this going to stop me from being hydrated?
1: That's the problem.
0: Am I able to... consume water in other ways.
1: <laughs> no, it shits in your feeding tube, but you're able-bodied, so you
0: don't have that anymore. Maybe I would keep it if this is the deal. <laughs> Small price to pay. <laughs> so it's actually shitting in my feeding tube too? <laughs>
1: yeah, if you try to circumvent it with a feeding tube.
0: Could it be up to 100% of my drinks? No. Can you give me a, a rough idea of how ma- how often?
1: Seventy-five percent of all fluids.
0: Is it? You know, I'm I'm being really pedantic, but <laughs> is it seventy-five percent of all drinks, or seventy-five percent of the total volume? Like what I'm saying is, can I just just constantly fill up massive jugs of water, and then eventually I'll get a clean jug of water, and that's my jug of water for the day. I don't know what the fuck you're saying. (laughs)
1: No, any jug you fill, there's a 75% chance it has bird poo in it.
0: Yeah, so I just get big containers. (laughs) Shut up. And then eventually, it won't shit in that. (laughs) And that will be a big container of water that I can drink for the entire day or maybe two. (laughs) Maybe two. I think I figured this out. All right, fine. Yeah, you could do that, smartass. Yeah, I think I would do that. All right. Maybe I just, I don't know what magpie shit tastes like, but I assume it's a little bitter. But maybe if you you drink it enough, you build up an immunity to it. And maybe it wouldn't be that bad. Yeah, I would do it. I would find a way around it. And I get to have a friend magpie. That's cool.
1: It does seem like it would be a cool pet.
0: They seem really smart.
1: Almost disturbingly smart. Yeah. Like a whole species we've been living with in parallel forever and just not acknowledge their intellect
0: i don't know much about them i think they're the ones that collect shiny objects
1: yeah i collect shiny objects
0: yeah that's true your microphone glows red
1: yep should we call it there tony
0: do you want to call it there you don't have anything else to say
1: that's it that's all i got
0: all right well let's let's call it there then
1: bye everyone
0: see you later enjoy your week we started a, a Twitter account, so if you want to follow us on Twitter, we are <laughs> <laughs> uh We 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 are very good at social media, but you know we're trying trying to get the word out there. You know, it
1: it feels disingenuous, like you know, if we don't have to use Twitter, we don't want to. So if you have friends that you think would like the show for whatever fucked up reason, who knows? Just tell them about it. Yeah, because we would really appreciate that
0: yeah email us if you want to chat or if you have an idea or if you want to come on and talk about something uh you know we're always looking for a new guest stay tuned for future episodes where we do have some pretty sweet guests coming up yeah all right guys thanks a lot thanks for all the support so far take care and stay disabled <laughs> that was fun